Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 23 of Health Talk with Dr. Cal. I'm Nikki Sterner. Last week, we began a four-part series discussing sugar inside and outside of the body. We talked about how sugar damages the gut microbiome and contributes to leaky gut syndrome and inflammation throughout the digestive tract. This week, we're discussing sugar, fructose, and how it affects the liver. Sugar can be just as damaging to the liver as alcohol and can lead to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. With all the high fructose corn syrup and processed foods and drinks today, we see more people with bulging bellies from the hardened scar tissue in their livers. I'm not a drinker, but I do love sugar. I didn't realize this could be a problem, just like alcohol and drugs. Cookies, candies, ice cream, everything from Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's all yummy in my tummy. I didn't know it was damaging my liver. But what I couldn't understand was how other people could have just one cookie or a few bites of sweets and stop. That was hard for me. I didn't realize how emotionally connected to sweets I was. That was a hard thing to break. Many therapy sessions and learning how to eat healthy. I'm not overweight. I feel like I have it under control in amounts that are less harmful, but imagine how much better it would feel if I were to quit cold turkey. I mean, the first few weeks would really suck and people would probably think I was impossible to be around, but once we got past the initial shock to my system and the loss of my best friend, Sugar, it might just be okay. Welcome everybody to Health Talk with Dr. Kel. I'm Nikki Sterner and we have Dr. Kel and producer Eric with us today. <laughs> yes, and we are on podcast number 23. <laughs> and today we are um, in the second part of a discussion about sugar inside and outside the body. And we're gonna be discussing sugar and the liver and possibly more today, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I'm not a drinker, but I do sugar, so I'm curious, you know. You're letting your body ferment the sugar. That's right. And what am I doing to myself here? In the last episode, we found out you're actually an addict. Yes. Well, you know what? Closet addict. Before we started this episode today, I found out that there were other addicts in the room. Oh, so, no. um, yeah, we can go oh. into that, too. I'm reformed. <laughs> reformed, yes, reformed. But, you know, nobody's got, perfect got, is all got, I'm saying. I've got my, uh, I don't know, what am I, 56-day uh, coin. Oh, yeah. Did you get your coin? <laughs> Good idea. Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm an alcoholic. No, sugarholic. <laughs> okay, so before we get started, I want to do a quote. Today's accomplishments were yesterday's impossibilities by Robert H. Schuler. And I'm just saying, you know, maybe I can cut sugar out. Absolutely. Maybe it's not impossible. You can. Like you guys have been addicts in the past. <clears throat> Anybody <laughs> want to share a story about that? Eric, I thought you were just telling us I a story. Drink. I drink. Yes. Do you want me to tell the story I now? do want you to tell it. In? Yes, right. I do. <laughs> this, is, this will be helpful to anyone out there struggling okay. with this addiction. That's right. That's so right. when I was in college, I studied construction management, and one of the classes we had to take was a uh, home building class. And so it was two parts, like a full year. And the first part was framing and concrete, and the second part was finished carpentry. So we built a whole house, which was pretty cool. Wow. Good accomplishment, yeah. Um, unfortunately, the job site was right down the street from a gas station that offered basically bringing your own refillable item and you could 128 whatever you cup. could fit i think you could bring a 55 gallon drum if you wanted 25 cents oh wow. as much as you could drink and i'd usually fill up my thing chug half of it while i was there and then refill it again 
for the same 25 cents. I mean, it was awesome. Like that included tax. So it was literally a quarter. Wow. So on the way to the job site, I'd get my big 64 ounce thing filled up, drink my thing. On the way out of the job site, I'd refill it and drink my thing. So I'm into 50 cents a day. And Eric's young, by the way. He's not like, you know. 21. Yeah. yeah. No. So anyway, that started my soda binge drinking days. And I got up to, well, I guess that was a gallon a day. I was drinking a gallon a day for wow. a long time. Yeah. Probably eight or 10 years. Uh, no oh, way. Yeah. Lots of unhealthy lifestyle. I can't even picture you doing that. Yeah. I'm the thing, you don't look 80. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe I do. Uh, the thing is, I didn't gain any weight from it. Like, I, I've been the same weight really? since I was... 21, 22. It was probably all that you were living on at the time, Eric. Yeah, is that all you did? Yeah. <laughs> that, and I'd cook like a steak every couple days because I got into cooking on the barbecue a lot back then. But oh. anyway, that and box pasta. Those things were delicious back box then. Box pasta? But anyway, yeah, and I wasn't drinking anything diet because I liked Pepsi and Mountain Dew and Coke and all that kind of stuff. So it was straight sugar. And like, as we talked about last time, each of those cups probably had, you know, 200 grams of sugar per refill. So I was easily consuming 400 grams of sugar a day just in my soda, not oh. including fast food and everything else that I was eating. Uh, but anyway, you know, life catches up with you and I realized it wasn't a great thing to do. I think when I turned 30 something, 35 or no, it's a long time ago. Anyway, 32, 30, somewhere in there I stopped and I was like, yeah, I just got to go cold turkey and cut it out completely out of my you life. You knew it wasn't good for you even no, when you were doing it. Sure. I mean, but it was everyone, easy. Yeah. It's everyone convenient. says don't drink soda and don't eat sugar it's and convenient. all those kind of things. Yeah. And it tasted good. I'm like, well, I'm young. I'll make it up later. Mm. So that's my thought. But anyway, uh, I just decided one day, and there wasn't like a life-threatening, like you said, you'll, the body will do anything to avoid fear or pain. Uh, mm -hmm. There wasn't one of those days where it's like, oh my gosh, my body's dying, I better cut out soda. I just made my mind up, and I did. And we threw out like 70-something cans of soda that we had in the garage that day, you know, and just, I decided that was it. And so for four whole years, not a single drop of soda, wow. uh, and I just went cold turkey, and I had to. I couldn't be like, okay, today I'm going to have one less can. You know, I just knew I couldn't do it that way. That's my body. Did you notice a difference in how you felt? Yeah. So I went through massive headaches for a long time as I oh. went through that withdrawal. Uh, I mean, I was down for like four or five days at a time. Um, wow. Just suffered through it like crazy. Mm. Uh, got addicted to Excedrin or that. You started, you stuff. started yeah, taking. Oh. taking yeah. a, so I got caffeine through that oh instead of soda, but it was getting me through the headaches. You know, I mean, I was oh, like yeah. seven a day kind of thing to get through oh, it. Man. So yeah. it was like caffeine so killed my liver. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not everybody has to do that, no, by the way. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, and then that's when I really started getting into working out more. We bought a treadmill that year. We lived in a cold place. So I couldn't go outside as much to work out, you know, mm. and, um, the gym was just far enough away, so it was like, ah, no, I'm not going to go to the gym if I join, so I'd try to work out at home. We bought some weights from a garage sale, so I just started caring about my body, you know? It was like one of those mm. healthy midlife crises at 35 years old or whatever mm -hmm. it was. But anyway, that's when I just kind of turned things around, so I just, I hated water before that, and it's weird because we talk about uh, that a lot. Like, the water just tasted gross to me because of the sugar. I think mm -hmm. it, like, killed my taste buds or whatever, mm -hmm. and so as it came to my body, I'm like, well, I better drink my eight ounces of water just to get some water in my body, and I couldn't handle it. Like, I had to mm. put stuff in the water just like a tolerate it and then I justified well the soda's got some water in it and I'm probably good right? <sighs> like it's the main staple of it anyway but after I got off the soda I realized water tastes good good and it probably took like two or three months before water was like tasteable tolerable. to me yeah tolerable <laughs> um but then I started drinking like a gallon of water a day and I'd carry around my jug of water and try to drink more water and just trying to flush my system and uh I I'm obviously still not perfect like I still was eating fast food once in a while and still not eating super great but at least I was trying to get rid of some of those things yeah. uh, and then you know four years went by and my body was getting in better shape and one day I broke down and had my first soda uh, and it 
tasted terrible. And mm. I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, I don't remember tasting like this. <laughs> and then, like, a month later, I tried it again. I'm like, ah, it's not that bad. And, and I'm not perfect, you know. I'll probably have a soda once a week, once a month sometimes. Sometimes I go a couple days without it. Sometimes I'll go a couple days with it. Uh, but it's not, like, a gallon a day anymore. And you don't have to have it. And I don't have to have it, yeah. It's yeah. just more like, hey, we're at this place, and it sounds good. But well, and it's it, it, Eric, I would say, is one of those people who... Uh, can control his addiction. Uh, and there sure. are people out there that can deal with it. Some of us are exposed to certain things that, as we talked about in the lad pod, last podcast, dopamine um, yeah. is produced from sugar. It's produced from other drugs. Um, it, it it occurs. Uh, it makes the body feel good when you experience something, yeah. certain things. That first sip of it in the straw is like, ah. Uh, so yeah, it sends a signal to your brain that that, wow. that, that it's good. Yeah. Um, and and those there are many of us that are prone to addictive behavior, and there are a minority of people who are not. Mm. Um, I would say if you're overweight, uh, if you're unhealthy, you are someone who who has issues with addiction, uh, whether in a mild form, things that are mildly addictive to severely addictive. Um, if your brain's not functioning well, um, you're probably in that same category. Uh, so consider yourself. You know, Eric can get away with having it now and then, and and many of us can get away with having a little bit now and then. Like I said, you know, prior to me going cold turkey, I would try to eat well five days a week, and on the weekends have whatever I wanted. The problem with that for even me, periodically. Um, I would break out of that um, mold, and and then the week would go by, and I was doing stuff every day again. So for because I do have that, well, both my parents, um, and uh, they'll never listen to this podcast because they're <laughs> uh, my father's dead, and my mother is eighty eight, and and uh, doesn't know how to use a computer, <laughs> so I'll can hardly use her cell phone. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway. Um, they, uh, my parents will never listen to this podcast because my father's no longer here. He's dead, and my mother's 88 and doesn't know how to use a computer, can hardly use her, her cell phone. So I'm mm-hmm. not too concerned about that, but they were both al- alcoholics. Oh. Um, my mother, uh, both of them eventually quit, um, and, and for health reasons. Uh, my mother was a heavy smoker. Um, so my point of all this is addictive behavior runs in my family, mm. and I think it does carry on genetically. So... I never drank. I, oddly enough, I never cared much. You know, my college days, uh, I did drink some. Had those few moments where I had severe hangovers and thought, "This is stupid. I, I mm-hmm. don't need this." But I never, I didn't really like the taste of beer, wine, or any of that stuff. And then for later, for religious reasons, I, I just completely stopped. And for health reasons as well. So didn't have the defic- addictive behavior there. But I, I, I've often found those, and, and I've met a lot of people who. Who don't drink alcohol but are sugar addicts. Yeah. It uh, I, I find that in, re- in, in, <laughs> in religions, especially where people uh, have it against their religion to to drink alcohol, yes. uh, they'll become sugar addicts. Oh, better if they picked up alcohol, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to say on that one, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, as we're talking today, you're seeing how how bad things are. And I just wanted to read something here about sugar in the liver. We're talking about sugar in the liver today. Unless you had any other questions, I'll move on to that. Yeah, let's move on to that. Let's see. Here's another article. It says, too much sugar isn't just bad for your teeth. It can harm your liver, too. 
The organ uses one type of sugar called fructose to make fat. Too much refined sugar and high fructose corn syrup causes a fatty buildup that can lead to liver disease. Some studies show that sugar can be as damaging to the liver as alcohol. Even if you're not overweight, it's one more reason to limit foods with added sugars such as sodas, pastries, and candy. That darn candy, hun. Cookies, mm -hmm. cake. Cookies, candies, cookies. cakes. The chocolate. Let's see, a little more here. The extra fat can build up in your liver cells and lead to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. As a result, your liver may swell. That means get larger. Mm. Uh, over time, <laughs> it can harden and, and scar liver tissue. And that's what hard, happens with liver cirrhosis. So alcoholics, sugar addicts, they they get what's called a fatty liver uh, and then eventually that fatty liver starts hardening and then you get scarring which leads to uh, cirrhosis of the liver and once it's scarred you can't heal it and time for a transplant oh wow let's see you're more, you're more likely to get non-alcoholic fatty liver disease if you are overweight or obese middle-aged or have diabetes you may be able to turn things around diet and exercise can stop the disease interesting makes me think about what eric brought up about his situation the body can heal especially if you're still young and but the older you get the more years that have passed uh, the more likely you are for everything to break down like there's some people like my mother man she smoked four four packs of camel straights for for 40 four, years four packs yeah three wow. to four packs a day oh my gosh and uh um, and like no filter on those by the way camel straights um never got lung cancer her father he he did uh, but she didn't so she had the genetic code that for some reason kept it away and some people are genetically able to their body's just able to get rid of it um does she still smoke uh no no, no like she she's she <laughs> hasn't smoked for probably i don't know 20 years um, and probably hasn't drank for, I'd say, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Fell down, broke her arm, fell down, broke her hip. I guess that finally got her off the alcohol. Oh, um, the oh. <laughs> the, uh, anyway, love my mother, love my father. They had their issues. We all, we all do. Some have are prone to addictive behavior. Important thing is to be able to recognize in yourself, uh, if you have those problems and get help. Talked before about getting life coach, having friends, you know, you don't want friends that say, Hey, let's go have a beer or Hey, you know, Oh, that pie looks good. Oh, wow. Let's we'll <laughs> stop in here and ha stop in here and have some more donuts. You, you want the people that are going to help you get off if you really care about your help, some people don't care. Uh, I, I got a friend of mine who, who uh, he's in his 60s. He's on the verge of retirement. He weighs close to 400 pounds. Uh, in fact, I was talking to him the other day. He goes, yeah, over the weekend, I drank like three of those two liter bottles of, of soda and and uh, I ate a couple of buckets of chicken. And what? and uh, he goes, I got on the scale and lost eight pounds. Couldn't figure out why. Oh my and gosh. Chicken diet. <laughs> oh. So I, yeah, so I said, oh, he must have created a new diet. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, joking aside, he's killing himself slowly, and, and we've talked about this. I've talked to him about it, and, and he, he knows it. He's just so addicted to the way he lives his life, and, and that routine, it's hard for him to break it. But we're working on him, and we hope, we, we, we hope that he can still be, uh, you know, the quality of his life is continuing to decline. He's got bad knees, uh, chronic pain. He wakes up in the morning, he can hardly move, takes him a while to get out of bed and get going, and that whole process is as he continues to to pound his body you know eat the eat all the sugar and and processed food he's just continuing to damage the intestines and and all these diseases are slowly just 
coming on now, and and uh, his life expectancy um, is going to be short because unless he changes, I mean, he can change now and probably improve, gain a few more years if he quit now. But even so, his quality of life at this point could never totally be improved. Whereas with Eric, who quit in his 30s, you could likely say that he he could still well live into his 90s, even over 100, if he continues to eat well and exercise and keep in his emotional state intact. Although he did have those COVID vaccines, so I'm not sure. Maybe 60 now. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was yeah. just going to throw this no, in there. No, Gert, Gert said you may be gone in two years, so. Oh, geez, so, yeah, uh, right. you know. <laughs> oh. uh, anyway, we don't we don't agree with Gert. You know, we talked about Gert in the last podcast. He, he's a scientist from Bulgaria that says that a huge percentage of those that had the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are, are um, destined to death. Yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be a genis, genocide. People are going to be dying like flies in a couple of years because of it. We we don't agree with Gert, but okay. we hope so he, and, 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 and we hope he's wrong. However, I'm not going to get the Pfizer Moderna vaccine if anything. Back to sugar here. We'll get it. So one thing I was going to mention up is. Uh, the social aspect of that, right? And, and people talk about social drinkers and, and all that. I think that was a big part of it too, because I knew people who were eating unhealthy. And as I was around them, I would eat unhealthy, right? I had a friend, more of a business partner, but you know, he'd be like, let's go grab lunch. I'm like, cool, where do you want to go? And he'd always pick these places that had like tons of food for not much money, you know, and he'd just eat a ton of food or, or like a buffet or something. Like he was mm. maxing out the value of that dollar for that food. Mm. And while I'm there, I'm like, ah, this is the once in a while opportunity. I might as well eat too, you know? And, and you look at them and you compare it to them and you're like, well, I can eat like them for the day. It's okay, but you keep doing that you got problems uh, mm-hmm. and so if you, the friends you hang out with and the people that you're around will, will cause Makes that. all the difference yeah if you're mm-hmm. hanging around people that want to go drink you're probably gonna drink if you're hanging around people that want to go to mcdonald's and eat lunch you're probably gonna go there so find friends who want to work out and eat healthy and we'll encourage you to yeah motivate you to have that healthy lifestyle good point good point thank you Eric. that was great yeah yes so true <laughs> here's another one here's another article too much fructose can damage your liver just like too much alcohol. There is growing scientific consensus that one of the most common types of sugar, fructose, can be toxic to the liver. Fructose is the sugar that makes fruit taste sweet. Most people, oh, for most people, there's nothing wrong with eating fructose in its natural state in fruit, which we've already talked about. But today, manufacturers extract the and concentrate the fructose from corn, beets, and sugarcane, removing the fiber and nutrients in the process. Getting frequent high doses of fructose throughout the day without fiber to slow it down, hence why I talked about fiber in the last podcast mm-hmm. and, the, and the cheats with the, for right. the alcoholics, with the sugarholics like yourself. Right. Um, they, uh, um, let's see, uh, nearly all added sugars contain significant amounts of fructose. Typical formulations of high fructose corn syrup contain upwards of 50% fructose, depending on processing methods. Table sugar and even sweeteners that sound healthy, like organic cane sugar, are 50% fructose. You're talking about like stevia and whatever the other one is, right? No, no, not, not those. Okay. The, the, those are better. Sure. Ste- stevie is considered a, a, a fairly good one. It doesn't cause massive fluctuations. The other thing we didn't talk about is your pancreas, which we should, we'll talk a little bit too about after the liver, but the pancreas, what happens to your pancreas when you take a bunch of sugar? Mm-hmm. See, what's unique about fructose is that unlike any other sugar, it's processed in the liver. Small amounts of fructose metered out slowly are not a problem for your liver. Think of eating an apple. Its sweetness comes from a lot of chewing that takes time. The apple's fiber slows down its processing in the gut. But when you consume large amounts of fructose in added sugar, particularly in liquid form, on an empty stomach, it slams the liver with more than it can handle. 
As with alcohol, a little added fructose consumed with fiber-rich foods is okay. Well, I don't know if I agree with that on the alcohol <laughs> part of it, as we've talked about before. But anyway, it's only when we frequently consume large quantities in concentrated form that fructose becomes a health hazard. Mm. So looking at all that, the uh, you're just overrunning your gut, then you're overrunning the liver, um, and you're you're seriously taxing your system, as we talked about in the last podcast about uh, things like cancer and other diseases that develop in your system. All the stuff starts with inflammation and it starts with you're screwed up your gut. Um, by the way, uh, acid reflux, symptoms of, of, of a messed up gut. Probably important to say, and we didn't really mention the last podcast, so I'll mention it now, is acid reflux, bloating in the belly. You'll see a lot of people walking around on the street, and you see a lot here in the United States where they're thin everywhere else, but they got, especially in men, they, they look like they're pregnant. I just saw um, a man walk by. Is that right? And he had yeah the punch. Yes, yeah. and he was total and, thin legs, and, arms. And they're thin everywhere else, but they got this big belly. And if you really... If they lift their shirt up, you'll see that it's not a belly from typically from excess fat, though, if they're a heavy person, you'll see a layer of fat there. But a thin person with a with an extended belly, they're either drinking a lot of alcohol or they're eating a lot of sugar. Mm -hmm. Those two things will cause chronic belly bolt. And what what is this? A ascites where it's inflammation of the intestines mm -hmm. so basically your whole intestinal tract is inflamed and so it swells up and you get this poke, poking out belly that's basically looks like you're pregnant yeah so wow. if you could find a way to target that blood into your arms you'd be oh yeah oh yes <laughs> yes 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 well that's called <laughs> implants <laughs> oh, yeah. but anyway the other things that happen in your intestinal tract you know the the uh Diarrhea is a common one. Take your hands and poke around different parts of your, your abdomen um, along the lower parts of your rib cage, down along the sides. If Poke around and feel if there's any tender spots. Uh, a lot of people who, who eat a lot of sugar, if they poke around on the lower left side of their abdomen, it'll be very painful. And that's because your colon is swollen. Mm. And in other areas too, on the, on the lower right along the rib cage on the on the right side if you follow it down from the um, xiphoid process the little bump here in the center if you follow it down to the left i'm sorry to the right if you feel any tenderness under there if you poke up under there that that probably indicates that your liver and your gallbladder are having issues even though you don't feel it without poking at it hmm. interesting these poor people at home are getting freaked out <laughs> they uh, um so those are signs to look for um Okay. I'm really interested in sugar and the brain. Yes. Well, let me say a few words about the pancreas. And this, okay. this is significant in the sense that what happens with the pancreas, your pancreas, and, and uh, it, it uh, balances the sugar in your body So by producing insulin. Um, so when you take in sugar, enters your bloodstream, there's too much going in there, your pancreas produces insulin to balance that out. A type 1 diabetic, someone who's born with uh, either either they have an autoimmune disease that damages the pancreas and the beta cells in the pancreas that produce insulin, or they're born with not enough beta cells. So the autoimmune disorder, again, unless it's genetic, is brought on by this whole process we've been talking about, can create an autoimmune disease which then damages the pancreas cells. And then if your pancreas cells are damaged to the point to where 
they basically your immune system has killed them off, then they would consider that a type 1 diabetes as well. Mm. Um, and sometimes that can happen still in, you know, you can be born with it or it can happen in your younger years through adolescence. Most people think, oh, you're older, you become a diabetic, it's just type 2. Well, not totally true. Some people in later years can get qualify as a type 1 as well if it's been caused by an autoimmune issue. Mm -hmm. The type 2 diabetic, they basically damage their pancreas from chronic intake of sugar. The, those beta cells just eventually stop functioning as well. And so then those people, type 2 typically take pills unless it gets really bad, then they have to have the shots. But the type 1 mm -hmm. typically have to have shots. So what happens is you've heard, many people have heard of hypo and hyperglycemia. Those are terms common today. Well, th those are pre-diabetic pre terms is what those are. It's basically saying that you become insulin tolerant where you're overloading your system with sugar, the body reacts, produces insulin, and, and sometimes it produces too much insulin. So the beta cells are overproducing and then you have what's, they basically the sugar you put in, like, like in, I used to have a friend um, years ago who, who was a type 1 diabetic, a, a girl I knew in high school, and uh, she would uh, eat some food sometimes. It would be too much sugar in that food. She'd have to give herself a shot of insulin. Sometimes the insulin she gave her a shot with was too, too much, much. <laughs> and then she'd have to go eat a candy bar to balance out wow. the insulin. So she was playing this balancing act back and forth. Well, hypo and hyperglycemia kind of are the same thing. Your body's doing this, and, and in those states, people who are hyper hypoglycemic uh, symptoms and that are, are easily irritable after eating, especially high sugar meals, or they're not getting enough sugar. Uh, so if you tend to be irritable and then you go eat something and you feel better afterwards, that could be signs of hypo or hyperglycemia. It just depends on, on, on really what's bringing it on. Um, <clears throat> so that sugar is also damaging. I had a friend in high school whose mom was awesome. Um, and she ate really healthy, and she came down with diabetes when she was, yeah, um, more recently, like within the last five or ten years. She was a closet sugar eater as well? No, I don't think <laughs> I. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, she would well, have, like, broccoli and rice, and I don't think, I think they thought maybe she didn't eat enough protein or something, but I don't know. Well, um, it's pretty rare to get type 2 diabetes. And unless you have a genetic predisposition and not enough beta cells in your pancreas, it mm -hmm. can happen. She, she was on the high glycemic index. And, and if you just eat a lot of rice, especially white rice, white rice doesn't have the fiber in it. That's why I eat the brown rice. Um, eat rice that, that has not been processed as much as white rice is, because basically they stripped everything out of it. All that fiber is, is lacking like it would be in, say, brown rice. So she could have been, I, I find it so funny, oftentimes people tell me I'm a vegan or a vegetarian and they're overweight and then obviously look unhealthy. And, and some of those people look real healthy, but you can, I can see, sit and munch on uh, potato chips and, and, and uh, uh, eat all kinds of crappy food and still call myself a vegetarian or a vegan. Mm. So you can become a diabetic even in yeah. those under those circumstances. I mean, she was thin, healthy, worked out every day. Like it was out of the blue. It was so strange. It's possible then that, yeah. that her, her pancreas just had had already issues. So in summary, the sugar inside the body is similar to alcohol in the body as far as the liver goes and the pancreas because it breaks down just like alcohol it's breaks damaging. down. Yeah, it's damaging. It can cause fatty liver disease. Everything in moderation, right? Yes. So yes. a little and bit may be okay, but a lot just overwhelms your system. Yeah, I mean... 
it seems like the 2080 rule applies to so many things in life. I, yeah. I, I would say if you follow, follow that, you'll have a reasonably healthy lifestyle. Um, but if you can follow it, uh, you know, if you can eat healthy, exercise, and keep your emotional health up your entire life, I th I'd see it, say if you find someone who lives into their hundreds, you prob they've probably had that kind of a life. Yeah. And they probably they had great genetics, and they were probably had a reasonably good diet, reasonably good emotional state, and, and they yeah. exercised. They maintained their health and yeah. their well-being, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. This was the second um, in our sugar series. And um, if you learned something today, please do share this with a friend or family member. And we are everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's Health Talk with Dr. Kel. And next week, we're going to be talking about sugar and the brain. Next Tuesday. Brain. Next Tuesday. The brain. Yes. So please do tune in next Tuesday, everyone. Thanks for joining me, everybody. We'll Thank see you, you next week. See you guys. Take care. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and hosts Nikki Sterling. Mm -hmm.